uh, with a scripture to bless uh, our time together. Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Uh, last week, Vision Sunday, what a fun Sunday to be together. I hope that, I know that many of you were there last week, crammed into the gym. It was kind of hot. There was a monsoon. The ceiling was leaking. It was great. Um, just, to, just to be packed into one place together as we begin our school year was a real gift. Um, and we unveiled our theme for the year, and the theme for the year is deep discipleship. Learning to, to truly follow Jesus in every aspect of our lives in a deep and meaningful way. And as we announced uh, last week, we're starting a sermon series today. Uh, it's called Elemental, and it's the daily basics of, of following Jesus. So we're going to talk about scripture and worship and prayer and loving others. Um, these are not elements that we have pulled out of, of thin air. Um, these are not new trendy discipleship options that are in some book or something like that. These are tried and true practices that basically Christians way before us from the very beginning have been doing. If you look throughout church history, these elements are there in every flourishing community. In fact, one of the earliest descriptions that we have of, of Christians gathering has all four of these elements in them. We're going to read it. If you would stand, if you're able. Um, Acts chapter 2 is our text this morning. I invite you to, to listen, to breathe deeply, uh, to be reminded that this is God's word for us this morning. It's brief, so I'll read it nice and slow. So those who welcomed Peter's message about Jesus were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can be seated. So, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. You can see those four elements in that one verse. We're going to get to the final three of those elements in the weeks to come, over the next four weeks. But today we get to focus on the first one, which, we, which is the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Uh, this text happens right after Jesus' ascension. Um, it, it, it's right after the gift of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the people in Jerusalem. And it's the first mention that we have of believers in Jesus gathering together in this way. It's the, really the earliest manifestation of the church at the end of chapter 2. And the first thing that is noted about these believers gathering together is what? They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. What did that mean? What was the apostles' teaching? Well, it was teachings about Jesus. Um, tonight, I'm going to begin uh, with, with my confirmation class. How many of you are in confirmation with me tonight? Yes. Awesome. I love those hands. Uh, we're going to start, and we're going to talk about the Bible, and I'm going to make a really compelling case. You're going to be so excited about it. Um, that the Bible is one of the most magnificent things that's ever been created. 66 books that are actually part of two testaments, over 40 different authors, and over a, written over a span of 1,600 years in three different languages, and, and here we have it in English. Amazing, amazing book. I think it's the most unique book in history, and it's really one of the greatest gifts that we have in our life. So, these early Christians didn't have the advantage that we have of a book, obviously, at this time. 
They use the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures to explain the coming of the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And their stories were eventually compiled into manuscripts and books. And and some of the letters that they wrote to churches to encourage them also got copied and then codified and brought together and through a long and beautiful process that I would love to tell you more about some other time. They became canonized in what we call the Bible today. So back then in the first century, it was primarily oral teaching that were passed down over generations. And, And Acts tells us the story of God culminating in the person of Jesus was the central part of the believers' gatherings. They gathered around this. They gathered around the apostles' teaching, which is Scripture. And I think it's notable that it's the first thing in that list, and that's also why we're starting with it first here. But throughout history, this has been the the central governing thing of people coming together around God's Word, what we know as Scripture. So I want to ask, as we uh, talk about Scripture today, kind of a broad topic, let me just ask a, a question. What's your relationship with Scripture today? What role does it play in your life? Are you in God's word on some sort of regular basis? When you, when you read it, do you feel like God is meeting you in it? Do you feel like you understand some of the things that are going on? Um, I have regular contact with scripture uh, because of my job, obviously. It'd be hard to do what I do without it. Um, but I want you to know I also do read devotionally, totally apart from whatever I'm preparing for a Sunday morning or class. Um, usually on a daily basis, I, I have that time in God's word. Um, but I always feel like I could be more intentional. So I certainly don't stand up here as a model of going, just do as I do. That's not the point here today. Um, We actually have a chair in our house, the blue chair in our house, that's kind of designated as the chair where you read scripture um, and you spend time with Jesus. We try not to have a whole lot of other, like, activities happening on that chair. That's for scripture. It's got a nice side table, um, a great place to be intentional and spend time with Jesus. Um, I revere scripture a ton, but my actual Bible itself is is pretty beaten up, uh, believe it or not. Uh, it has tons of coffee stains and sap and, and dirt. I was flipping through it today. There's like uh, tree bark and, and leaves. Um, I found a receipt from Target in the book of Ezekiel. I'm not sure why. Um, but, but this goes a lot of places with me, and it's been a lot of places in my adult life. Uh, I'm on my second binding of my Bible because it's already fallen apart once and there are some pages that are unreadable because it got rained on or whatever. Uh, but I'm still, I'm still going with it. Um, I have a life verse. Um, some of you may have a life verse too. People ha- have a life verse, something that has sort of guided you or led you throughout your life. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I have a life verse. It's inscribed uh, on the inside of, of this ring, which is um, the ring that reminds me of, of my call here as, as a pastor. It's from Ephesians 4. Um, one of the things that I love about this church is that a lot of the things that I'm talking about in terms of scripture, um, many of you have some of those practices already. I know some of you have wonderful established practices in God's word. And certainly as someone who preaches here, I feel like you revere God's word when we talk about it. You're listening. Uh, and I love that about this church. I'm so blessed whenever I get to hear about your own spiritual practices and how God is, is showing up in that way in your life. So surely... Um, these are good practices that I've had that some of you have. Surely the Christians that we're talking about in Acts chapter 4 had a different relationship with Scripture than we do. Um, we can have our Bibles in our chosen language with chapters and verses and study helps and, and, and all sorts of, uh, of tools with a, with a journal and an overstuffed chair. We can have our 15 minutes of, of quiet time of Scripture or even maybe it's uh, your Scripture's in your ears, it's in earbuds and it's, and it's read to you on an audio Bible or maybe you have it pushed as a notification to your phone as a way of being in God's word, those are all good. I, I'm going to advocate for the paper copy, that's me, but um, we could talk about that some other time. 
But we, one thing we know is that the earliest Christians didn't have any of those luxuries. But we know that they often recited Holy Scripture to one another to recount the stories of God and the stories of Jesus. They would tell stories. Sometimes they would set scripture, uh, Holy Scriptures to music and sing it together, or they would recite scriptures in unison or responsibly together. We also have a couple passages in the New Testament that give us insight into how the very earliest Christians viewed scripture and the ways that they talked about scripture and understood his word. Um, the first one from James chapter 1. James says, But be doers of the word, not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and they're not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror and they look at themselves and then going away immediately forget what they were like. For those who look into the perfect law, Torah, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in so doing. There's a lot of different metaphors we could use to talk about scripture. You hear some of them like a guidebook or a life raft or a, a user manual or a teacher, or some of you may view it as a rule book. Uh, these metaphors might have some uh, ounce of truth to them, but they fall woefully short of, of any sort of completeness as we talk about scripture. James uses the metaphor of a mirror. That's how he talks about scripture, that we're to, to peer into God's word in the same way that we peer into a mirror. And it stands to reason that, that as we do so, that something is going to be reflected back to us, right? That's why we look in a mirror. In other words, God is revealing himself. God's word is revelatory. It's revelatory. It reveals reality. It reveals something about God. It reveals something about us as we peer into it. Remember, James had no idea that his letter that he wrote was going to become one of the 66 books in our Christian canon. He certainly was referring to holy Hebrew scriptures when he was talking about the law, the, the, the word of God. But he was referring to more than just that. He's referring to the revelation of God's word, how God speaks to his people. God is continually revealing himself to his people, and scripture is an authoritative word, one that we can come to together as he continues to reveal himself. Second text in the New Testament that gives us an insight into how they viewed scripture is uh, Paul's encouragement to, to Timothy to continue in his faith. He says in 2 Timothy 3, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and in what you firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you've known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching and reproof and correction, for training in righteousness, so that anyone that belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Paul says that scripture is inspired by God. Actually, Paul, as if grappling for some sort of uh, um, uh, heavenly language, he, he creates a word. It's what scholars call a hapax legomenon. It only occurs once in scripture and not anywhere else, a hapax legomenon. Um, so we don't know if Paul made up this word or not, if he was having fun with his language, but he, makes, he, he says the word theonoustos, where it says inspiration there. Actually, the word is theonoustos, which means God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. Isn't that a majestic image to think about scripture. Inspiration comes from the mouth of God, the breath of God. And what is breath? It's life. It's life. It was God who breathed life into, into Adam's nostril. We, we are borrowing that breath that God gave to humanity. 
And his scripture is his breath. His holy, spirit-filled, warm, life-giving breath is found as we read scripture. So I don't think the Bible can really be called a guidebook or a life preserver or a rule book or a great story because the, the problem with those is none of those things actually breathe. None of those things are endowed with an almighty spirit that gives life and offers insight to the very vantage point of our holy God. This book breathes. Scripture breathes. It's alive. It teems with life. And if we give it time and space to operate in our lives, we're promised that we're going to encounter the life-giving breath of God therein. So we see from these two texts that the early church understood God's word as both revelatory and alive. And if that's still true today, wouldn't you want to experience that on a daily basis? Wouldn't that be a good thing for us to experience? Wouldn't we want for God to reveal himself and, and, and his true reality to us? Wouldn't we want to hear from his living word? I don't know if you can tell my voice, but the topic of scripture is personal for me. I know it is for many of you too, not merely because I'm a pastor here and this is what I've committed my life to, but because this book has been a mirror into which um, I've, I've been able to, to commit my life. It's, it's, it's a mirror in which God has revealed the truth about me and about this world. He's given me a proper glimpse of, of who I am. It's been a book that's been very much alive for me. When I was uh, 16 years old through a Covenant Youth Conference, I, I found myself rubbing shoulder, shoulders with a, a number of, of young adults in their 20s who were deep into God's Word, deep into God's Word. And they challenged me, and, and they encouraged me, and, and God captured my heart, and I knew that I needed to make some changes. I needed to live a, live a faith that was more evident to the people around me. So I began to study myself through the mirror of Scripture. And I actively chose not to forget what I was looking at, at that reflection that was given to me when I walked out into the world and with my friends. So as a consequence, I ended up sort of rearranging my life. I gave up basketball, which had been my like, nonstop obsession up to that point. Um, I started a Bible study with some of my peers and, and sought out some new friendships. And in the midst of that life change, I lost nearly every friend from the years prior. And I, and I experienced for the first time true loneliness. I know some of you teenagers, uh, as I'm talking with some of you, you're, you're feeling some of that loneliness after the last few years. I felt truly alone. And I'll tell you, this, this Bible, not this one, this, is, this one came a little later, but the, the words in this Bible became my friend. They became my friend when I didn't have any. I remember as, as vividly as things can be remember, speeding home from school so that I could sit out on the screen porch and read and journal and spend time with a friend who who wouldn't leave me, who had life-giving words for me, who was encouraging me. I cannot say that about any other book or object in my life. There are some books that are really, really meaningful to me, nothing like that. Once I started treating this book with, with respect and knowing that it had something to say to me, that I was compelled to follow it, I, I, I changed because these were God's fresh words for me. And that's when I started to, to meet God and I began to see the view that he was of myself that he was trying to give to me. When the world around me was telling me that they didn't want me, that I had gone too far, that I had gone crazy, that I wasn't worth investing in, the mirror of Scripture gave me a different view. Now, some of you have never had an experience with Scripture in that sort of dynamic sense. Some of you maybe have had an experience like that. You know, you know what that's like, but you've since lost that passion. Let me tell you, I don't, I don't race home uh, today. Uh, that, was a, that was a particular season of passion in my life that's guided me forward. 
Some of us have a great deal of love and, and respect for Scripture, but we need the reminder this morning that it has authority over what we do and what we say. One of our core covenant affirmations that I learned as a confirmand back in the day, maybe some of you have learned it, is the Holy Scriptures, both Old and New Testament, are the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct. In other words, the Scriptures are the place where we begin to build our life of faith, where we set our beliefs and our understanding of God, our theology, and also the ways in which we act in our life. It's perfect because it's from God, and it places responsibility upon us to follow. Is that your experience with Scripture? Do you experience God's Word in that way? Do you meet with Him through the Bible? Has Scripture been for you revelatory? Has it been a breathing book that speaks to you? Are you committed to it? I was out this week from, with uh, someone here from church who I know to have a regular uh, daily encounter with, with Scripture, often transformative. So I asked him, hey, help me out. What do you think people need to hear at Hinsdale coming to church about being in God's Word, being in Scripture? And what he said sort of surprised me. He said, please don't focus on what people aren't doing. Just invite them into what they could be doing. So I trust that word of wisdom this morning. Let me say clearly, if you're not regularly in God's word at this moment, I'm not here to shame you. You should not feel bad about yourself. That is not from God. But I do want to encourage you into daily encounters in scripture because I know firsthand how it's changed my own life. If you're doing very little right now in God's word, then even 10 minutes a day can have a huge impact on your life. I want you to consider your commitment to Scripture and, and what it would look like to commit even a little bit more. So what does a daily commitment to Scripture look like? Maybe some of you have thought about that a lot. Maybe this is a new question for you. I want to suggest just three things that we can all do daily in God's Word. The first is we can actually give God room to speak through Scripture. I think oftentimes we can get into this mode of I've got, to read my, I've got to read my Bible and I've got this much time and I kind of do it and I go about my way. But, but it would be better to read less in your Bible and give a little more space to go, God, what are you trying to say to me? As the late Frederick Buechner puts in one of his greatest sermons, The Magnificent Defeat, he says, quote, When a minister reads out of the Bible, I'm sure that at least nine times out of ten, the people who happen to be listening at all hear not what's really being said, but only what they expect to hear read. And I think that what most people expect to hear read from the Bible is an edifying story, an uplifting thought, or a moral lesson, something elevating, obvious, and probably boring. So that is exactly what they very often hear. Only that is too bad, because if you really listen to the Bible, there is no telling what you might hear, end quote. The most obvious part of committing to God's word is you've got to spend time in it and you got to read it well you got to give space for God to speak take time with scripture create a set apart time and space to read to be in scripture if you need to designate a chair in your house there's an idea for you that's your scripture chair read it well come with an openness to what God is trying to reveal to you pray for God's spirit upon your reading and your hearing we can't afford to miss God's word by becoming fixated on ourselves or our ideologies or our notions of what scripture ought to be saying to us. We need to allow scripture to speak to us. Second thing that we can do daily is, is we can read God's word knowing that it's supposed to have an effect on us. Go in knowing that God wants this word to have an effect on us. Paul uses 
two adjectives in that, in that scripture in 2 Timothy. God breathed was the first one that I pointed out. The second one is no less amazing. He says that scripture is useful. Useful. It's something that we're supposed to use. As Paul tells Timothy, it's useful for teaching and reproof and, and correction and training in righteousness. And, and, and it's useful to equip us for every good work. Scripture is not an academic intellectual exercise. It demands a response. What am I going to do about this? It's beneficial and, and useful in many ways, and it, and it also demands action on our part. When we read scripture, we should be saying, okay, I got to remind myself this is more than a book. It has a decisive voice in how I should be living my life. So I choose this as the best tool to live my life by and, and, and trust that God is going to reveal himself in that. As James says in that image of a mirror, be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, or else you're like someone that forgets what they look like after they walk away. The reflection that God gives us of ourselves and of our world and, and of our lives, it must stick. It must affect the way that we live our lives or else we're probably not reading God's word with enough intention or attention. Third thing we can do to make this, uh, to, to, to be in scripture daily is to make it habitual. Um, when Acts 2 tells us that the disciples were devoted to the apostles' teaching, what they're really saying is it was a habit. It was their habit when they got together that they were around God's word. Uh, popular psychology will tell you that somewhere between 21 and 66 days of doing something is when an action becomes a habit. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that. I, I know that every single Lent, I cut out sugar. Um, those first two weeks of Lent are uh, like my sweet tooth is going crazy, right? All that I want is, is candy or cake or something like that. But this amazing thing happens in about week three of Lent, and some of you know what I'm feeling. All of a sudden, that craving starts to go away, and what do I start craving? Vegetables and proteins and stuff that's good for me. Now, I will eat a massive slice of cake on Easter, and, and uh, so I'm not going to make myself better than I, than I really am. But it's the same sort of way with us with Scripture. When we make time in Scripture as a daily habit, we find that it's not a chore anymore. It's not a chore. We begin to actually crave it. When we miss a day, because stuff happens in life and we may miss a day, we begin to actually really miss it and we begin to feel it. At least for me, in my experience, I begin to hear God more clearly in my life when it's, a, when it's really habitual, when it's a habit. So I would, I would venture to guess that if you carved out time in, in, in your day for God's word, even 15 minutes a day on the train or, or uh, at, at, at lunch break when you're at school or at work or, or early morning devotions when the house is quiet, my guess is after about three weeks, you're going to find yourself hungering for it more and more, craving it and wondering, how could I go a day without this? So broad topic today, scripture, but I pray that you've heard something today that's going to help you in a practical way and maybe something that grabbed you and said, I want to, I want to re reinvestigate my own commitments here. As, a, as my mentor and friend always says to me, you know you are reading scripture well when you allow scripture to read you. And I believe that as you experience the wonders of God's word, as you see God's life-giving breath in those pages, as you fall in love with this remarkable gift, that you will start approaching it properly, saying, God, would you read and examine my life through these words? Through these words, would you give me a view of myself that I can never come up with on my own? And I'm confident that a deeper journey into God's word is going to bless you immeasurably, and it's going to be the building block of what it means to truly follow Jesus. As a response today, uh, I want to try something. It worked well in the first service, so we'll see uh, how it goes here in this service. 
I asked earlier um, today if any of you have a, a life verse, a, a, a verse that's been guiding and leading you, or maybe it's just a, a verse or a passage that you've recently has been on your heart and your mind that you've been, um, that God has brought to you. Um, what I'd love to do is I'd love to just have us read some of those over one another. Um, I went to a wedding uh, not too long ago where um, the, the pastor um, stood up in front and instead of a homily, just began reciting scriptures, saying, I just want to read these scriptures. I was like, oh, that's a nice idea. And then we got like three or four minutes into it. He had done six or seven passages. And I'm like, this guy's lazy. He didn't even write a homily. He's just reading out of the Bible. Uh, I would have had all these creative things to say. But then you got to minute six, seven, and I started to close my eyes. And I thought, what better gift could you give to a young couple than to just bless them with scripture? to just speak it over them. Some of you have been here for a while. You may, you may see me every once in a while. Uh, when scripture is read, I tend to close my eyes, and the people closest to me make fun of me because they say I kind of squint like this. But um, the reason I close my eyes is not because of some personal piety. It's because I know myself well enough, and I know how distracted I can be. But it's also a, a way for me to be reminded that God has something to say to me here. Anytime someone reads scripture here in a service or up in a Bible study, or even if we're like a council meeting or a meeting or something like that, and someone says, I just like to close my eyes and go, God, I'm giving you this space. I'm trying to, to rid myself of distraction so I can receive what you have for me. I believe that your word is alive and is active. So I'd like to try this today. If you have a life verse or a verse that means a lot to you or that's been blessing you recently, you can just grab a pew Bible close to you. There's red ones, and, and there are some black uh, Bibles as well, and uh, in and around you, um, or you can look it up on your phone or whatever. Um, but I want to walk around with a microphone, and if you feel like you want to just share a scripture today, just read it. You can just tell us the. Re- I, I, this is not a time to preach, unfortunately. I took up all the time for that. But um, if you want to just say the reference and then read it for us um, as a way of just blessing. And if you're not actively reading, I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes, maybe even open your hands like this, and and just receive and see if God speaks to you. Let's practice what we've talked about. Is God speaking? Does his word want to have an effect on you today? So um, I'm going to walk around with a microphone. Again, you can just take a reference and read that for us as you see that reference. Anybody want to share? Uh, one, that, one that I like is First Corinthians it's uh, chapter uh, four, uh, 16, verse 14, and it says, let all that you do be done in love. Matthew six twenty-five. therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 7. Oh, no, I'm sorry, verse 6. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No testing has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Isaiah 43:19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. Because the Lord helps me, I will not be dismayed. Therefore, I have set my face like flint to do his will, and I know that I will triumph. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Ephesians 5.29 Let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. John 4.34 My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Luke 10.19 Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Joshua 190. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Galatians 2.20, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ within me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 5.22-26, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 
Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. 1 John 4, 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Ephesians 2, um, 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. I don't know if you feel what I felt in that sermon that I heard, which was just scripture. After a while, you begin to just feel these scriptures washing over you. God desires to speak with you, to reveal things about himself and about you through his word. He desires to have an effect upon your life. I want to encourage you and let's pray together that God might open up his word to us. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you might reveal to us how it is that we can reorient our lives around your word. How we can make simple choices each day to to be guided by your word. Where we can adjust our schedules in such a way that we can truly make space for you to speak. Lord, I ask that you might cause us to be committed to your word and that it might become the foundation for a life of following you we pray in your name amen